Welcome to the Freedom Fellowship Church Podcast, located in Canyon, Texas. We hope you are encouraged by this message today. Christmas, anyone glad it's Christmas? Yeah, I am, I am. You know, what a wonderful time. This is a, uh, this is a baby Jesus out of one of our nativities at home. We've got several very special nativities, and so I had to ask permission from my wife to bring this one. And Christmas is such a great time when we remember Jesus coming. We remember the, the miracle of his coming. We remember just the miracle of his rescue. Now, the book of Matthew and the book of Luke, they begin by describing the birth of Jesus and describing just the amazing events and the amazing characters who were part of the, the coming of Jesus. But John, John, he starts in an altogether different way. He starts in an altogether different world, in an altogether different time. And in fact, we heard it at the very beginning of the service. Because we read this, in the opening of John, it says this, John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. I want us to, I'm going to read that again. And I want us to really be drawn into that. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. But there's so much depth in those simple words. Because John, he is introducing us to someone. And this someone, his, his name here, he's called the Word. And now, in the Greek, it's the word logos. Now, Jews were familiar with the word because they felt they had the word, the Torah. Greeks were familiar with the word because they felt like that they were in search of the word. But John opens his gospel and he says, listen, the word logos, the word is not a concept. The word is a person. And John says, let me introduce you to this person. So he begins by, by giving us this name, the Word. And then he begins to unfold all these glories about this person known as the Word. And he said, in the beginning was the Word. And, and he says, and it, he was. And so first, this speaks of timeless eternity. I mean, he is the preexistent one. But then he says of the Word, he says that he was with God and was God. I love that. Now listen, John is not writing, developing some theology that we call the Trinity. Not just doing that. No. See, John had witnessed someone. And he saw this incredible divine relationship, and he was captured by it. And he is wanting to introduce us to this one that he witnessed with his own eyes. And he saw this one who was both with God and is God. And, 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 and so he begins to describe this, of this beautiful essence of this person who is one unified, glorious person, but also in three essences. And he's de describing this divine dance. And he draws us in. And he says, I want you to know this one, the word. He was with God, but he is God. And he was with God in the beginning. Again, pre-existent. So he gives us this one, the word with God is God. But then he continues. 
And he says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So this one, the word who is with God and is God, is even more. He says, also, let me introduce you to him as creator. He is creator of all things. Now, I want us to hear that word, all. Because even just, just imagine this room alone, just if this were the totality of our existence. Look around the room, all things. He created all things right here in this room. I mean, we could spend days just listing what that might be. Everything just in this room. What about everything in your world, in your home, your work, your reality? You could go on and on and on and on. If, you were, if we said, okay, take a pen and paper and write down all the things that you interact with that were created by Jesus. And that's just your world. What if we took all the galaxies, all the universe? That's a pretty big all things, isn't it? And it says so clearly, he created all things. Nothing has been made that wasn't made by him. And see, this speaks of his bigness. Because if he, if he can create a universe, that means he has to be bigger than the universe. It, it speaks of his power. Because only one of great power could do such creating. But it also speaks to us of this incredible creativity. I mean, endless imagination that he can create and continue and continue. I love this about him. All things made through him. Do we realize the glories that that reveals about him? And I get it. I know we say, yeah, he's creator. But no, 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 no. I want you to hear today. He's creator. The word with God is God, creator. But then it says this. Verse 4, it says, in him was life. Do you realize Jesus alone is immortal? That's what Paul says one place. In other words, anything that is alive is only alive because Jesus is both the origin and the giver of life. Can we even imagine the endlessness of his life? Everything that has any touch of life is him. Never-ending fountain, never-ending flowing of life. I mean, if we could only begin to imagine just the fullness of all that that is. And he's enough life for everything alive. And, and that's true within just our right now, but it's also true from the very beginning of creation all the way to the end of this age, but really even into the end, uh, into the next age, because we are going to be given eternal what? Life. Do you realize the overflowing, endless fountain of life that he really is? It's part of his glory. But then it says, in him was life, but it says this. And that life was the light of all mankind. I love that. I mean, there's something attractive about light, isn't there? Isn't that one of the reasons we turned out all the artificial stuff, or at least most of the artificial stuff? We've got the candles. Look around the room. Take a... We love looking at the candles, don't we? I do. Because there's something attractive about light. You know, but Paul says in one place of Jesus that he lives in unapproachable light. His light, it really is endless. It is so overwhelming. This fountain, 
glory, his very presence is this essence of light. And even in this place, Paul says, he says, he lives in unapproachable light. No eye has seen him or can see him. But somehow in the coming reality, I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's going to do some miracle to our eyes. And we're going to be able to look upon and approach the one who is unapproachable light. I can't wait for that moment. I can't wait for that moment. But then it says of him, John continues here, and it says, uh, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know how easy it would have been for Jesus to just sit content in his glorious heaven? Oh, but that wasn't his heart. No, he's so willing to invade darkness, invade our darkness. And, and it says that the darkness doesn't even have a chance against his light. Is that good news in today's world? Maybe some of you need to hear that. Maybe some of you that the cloud of darkness, cloak of darkness, just feels a little bit too foreboding. But you do realize darkness never wins. Darkness doesn't have a chance. Not in the end. But then you skip to verse 9, and, and this says this thing that's beautiful. It says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The true light, because he had already said in him was uh, life, and the life was the light of man. But, but it's like John says, okay, I, I need to tell you something else about the light. And so he adds this word true, and what it means is that it's a light that makes all other lights seem dim, makes all other lights seem inadequate, as if we've never known light until we see him. And it says the true light. Okay, the true light that gives light to everyone. And then it says something profound. It's coming into our world. Oh my, oh my, oh my. This one so glorious. This one that John is introducing us to. This one, the Word. The Word. The Word. Who is with, is with God. Is God. Is creator of all. He's the very essence of life. The very essence of light. This one so glorious that I don't even know my mind knows how to take it in. But it says of him that he's coming into our world. How in the world would he come into our world? Oh. But then there's one more thing that John wants us to know about this glorious one. Verse 10 says he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Makes me sad for Jesus, those who are hard-hearted against his goodness. But then verse 12, so what we were talking about, Clint alluded to this earlier, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So there we are, yet another thing to add to his glory, because we've got the word with God is God, creator, life, light, and now not even not just that, savior, redeemer, adopter, all oh, the glory of who he is, the fullness, and because he is life, then he saves me from all things death, and because he is light, he rescues me from all things dark. But then there's even one more thing he does, something that is only his to give, but he gives it to us. He makes me a son. <laughs> he gives me the right of sonship. See, he's the son, right? The son. 
And so only it's him, along with the Father, to give. But he gives us this place. Ladies, daughters, do you realize how profound that is? So incredible. And so John, he, he, had, he had witnessed this one, and he wants so much to introduce us to him. And he says, he is the word. He is with God. He is God. He's the creator of all. He's the essence of life, the essence of light. He is a savior. He is redeemer. He is adopter. And then, verse 14, he comes and he begins this way. He says, the word. And there it is again. See, that's the very way that he began this, isn't it? See, he said, let me introduce you to this one who has all these glorious things. He says, let me draw you into this very one that I witnessed. And he says, he is the word. And so if, if one of this incredible glory, so glorious beyond anything we can imagine, if he is going to come, how is he going to come? If he is one that is so overwhelming in his very personhood, so infinite in all that he is, how in the world would he permeate all with such glory? And how would he reveal both the depth and the height of all that he is? But also, how would he reveal who it is he wants to be with us? Who he wants to be to us? And John tells us, the word became flesh. What a miracle. I mean, one so glorious we could never even begin to imagine his glory measure his glory in all the attributes of who he is he is so infinitely great infinitely great but in order to rescue me you he had to become something he was not yet and he was already indescribably from all eternity past into all eternity future, he was already so many things. But to rescue us, he had to become something he was not yet. And he willingly became something he was not yet. Flesh. And he had to. He had to to be our high priest. Because see, there's, there's this Holy Spirit theme all the way back from the beginning the service, the things Clint shared, the things we sang in the carols. See, he really wants to be right there where you are. He wants to know your human experience. He really does. That's the compassion of his heart. And so he had to become flesh so he could become our high priest, so he could identify with everything it is that you and I go through. And he had to become flesh so he could become the sacrificial lamb. See, he had to live that perfect life so that he could then be, become the perfect sacrifice redeeming us. I, I don't know that I fully grasp the power of those words. The word became flesh. But it says even more about him. Because it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Home home. I mean, this one, his home of origin is an indescribable, gloriously glorious throne. 
That's his home. But home here? Home here? And see the word there, made as dwelling or dwelt, what it really means is to make a tent and to sit where we are. And that's what Jesus did. He does it for all mankind. Sits right there where we are. In our evil. Can you imagine that? Just how willing he was to do that. In our evil, in our fallenness, in our chaos, in the mess that we've made of things. I mean, he gave us, God gave us such a perfect creation, didn't he? I mean, all the way back, but, but we're the ones who messed it up. And yes, it began back, Adam and Eve. But have you turned on the news lately? We continue to mess it up, don't we? But he sits with us in all the ways that we've messed up things or just in the mess that things are. And Jesus is so willing to sit with us. And so willing to sit with me in those times that it's my fallenness, willing to sit with me, my chaos, my dark night. Or maybe the mess that I've made of things because, boy, there are times that I'm sadly good at that. Or sometimes it's just the way that this world has made a mess of me. But he's just so willing to come and sit with me. Can you imagine that? One so glorious, the Word with me, sits with me. The Word makes His home with me. I love that. And then John, he says this, we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. How? Full of grace, full of truth. Truth, truth. There is so much hideous deception in our world, and deception always leads to death. But he came with this overflowing fountain of truth, truth that sets free and truth that brings life. That's who he wants to be to us. Full of truth, full of grace. See, it really doesn't matter. This was said earlier in the service. It doesn't matter what you've done, what I've done, what ways that we have violated him. Do you realize the, the worst sin you've ever uh, gone to, that worst place of sin, his grace is bigger. His grace goes farther. He has so much grace for you. But why? Because he wants to rescue you. He wants you to know him. Do you realize it doesn't matter how much guilt, shame the devil throws at you? Or maybe other people throw at you. Or maybe sometimes just your own heart throws at yourself. What his heart is for you is not that guilt, that shame, that condemnation. No, his heart is grace. Overflowing grace grace and it's interesting that John he begins that portion he says we've seen his glory the glory of the one and only son you, you realize the time is coming through all eternity where we're going to gaze upon the fullness of his glory we're going our eyes are going to get to see that unapproachable light uh, our, our hearts are going to be just uh, taken in by the fullness of all that he is and we're going to worship forever and ever and ever we're going to be captured by his goodness captured by his love captured by his greatness we're going to just feel that love and that grace just uh, all on us 
and we're just going to delight in Him forever and ever and ever because we're going to be captured in that glory. That time is coming. But here, it's interesting, John says, we've seen His glory. And how did He choose to reveal His glory in His first coming? Becoming flesh? Making His home with us? Bringing us truth, bringing us grace. See? And John says, we have seen His glory. That's who He wants to be to you. John, he was captured by this one Jesus. And so, yes, Matthew and Luke, they began by with the incredible, beautiful story of the birth of Jesus. But John took us back somewhere to a different world, a different way, a different time. And he said, I want you to know this one of glory. So that when you read those words, the word became flesh. You know exactly how far it is that he came to love you and to save you. So if you will, just take a moment, bow your head. John said, we've seen his glory. Where do you need to see his glory? For you, your life. Where is that you need to be reminded? How he is with you. So near. No circumstance can change that. Where do you need to be reminded of his grace? And you need to see his glory expressed in his overwhelming grace to you. Take a moment right now and silence those voices of condemnation. Silence those voices of guilt and shame and just say, devil, no more. And receive his grace. And where is it you need to know that he is sitting with you? You're not alone. You're not alone. He's right there. And I know sometimes the night seems dark. The fog seems thick. But that's when he's even more near. Is when you need him near the most. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us. That you are this one indescribable, as John tells us, this one who is the word. Glorious life, glorious light. But you came to us. You became flesh. And you are with us. And Jesus, we're reminded you made your home with us here because one day you're going to make our home with you in your paradise. And we can't wait for that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Check us out on social media or to learn more, you can visit freedomcanyon.com.